I'm so excited to talk to you about this book because um, when it arrived in in the box with all of the beautiful books that are finalists this year, it it's just such a beautiful book. And I think, I mean, we're going to get into this, but I would love to hear how the idea for this book started because you've written um, books of poetry before. And I'm curious why uh, you were interested in pursuing a children's book for this story. Well, uh, this particular story was really a formative for me in my art- artistic and po- and poetic life. So those people that are not uh, familiar with the story, it, it follows a, uh, a it follows an experience I had as a child with my father, where he took me to uh, this river that was close to our house in Coquitlam. And he, he, one day he pointed to the, uh, the water and said, uh, you see how that, that water moves. And that's how you speak. And of course, as a stutterer, that, uh, that really opened up the world to me in so, so many ways. I remember thinking about myself and my body and the, the nature in a really different way way after that right being really obsessed with all kinds of movements around me that well that stutter um you know so it was a real solidarity with the natural world but it also allowed me to be very uh, creative I think it really opened up uh the kind of realm of possibility for me so the, the, that story, there's a there's 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 a version of that story in the in the back of my second poetry book uh, titled titled Blurt, which explores the poetics of stuttering, and uh, uses that story as its base, right as its kind of structuring a principle or as uh, as an inspiration um, to write poetry about the stutter in the first place. And it wasn't until many, many years later that I, I, I wanted to write children's books, mostly after my, 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 son, my son was born. But even uh, uh, before that, I was dabbling quite a lot. And I wrote a couple of uh, children's stories that didn't really go anywhere, but still managed to uh, find an agent. And one day she gently asked me if I would ever consider writing a book about stuttering. She didn't want to push me at all. She just suggested it, and then um, I the, and and then at that point, that's when I kind of returned to that moment uh, with my dad and thought that that could make a a really good story for kids. Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, in doing this podcast, I've, I've chatted with so many people about their children, about the children's books they've written. And, um, 
And I think what's really interesting about uh, your book, because you're bringing your background as a poet to it, that I think there's kind of, I think the most beautiful children's books are the ones that leave a little bit of room for the kids to see themselves or to infer things or ask questions of the adult they might be reading it with. And I think poetry does that too, because there's such an economy of words with poetry. You don't want to put it all in there. You want to leave something for the reader as well. And I w I'd be curious what you thought of that and whether you were thinking of that that kind of space in the children's book as you were writing it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know that that kind of that kind of minimalism is a is is a challenge, right? Um, <clears throat> I mean, the the poetry I'm used to writing is quite uh, thick and very uh, sonic and descriptive. Sometimes, kind of you know, verging on the on the nons nonsensical. But I do have a really obsessive uh, relationship to words, um, which comes from my experiences of them as a stutterer, which is so visceral, right? So I, I, I you know, because I think I can feel them um, and how they operate and how they come to fruition all throughout my body, I think that's always been that that that's kind of deformed my obsession with words so i think that it was a it's a challenge to, to write children's books in that way because as you as you really smartly said like you do you do have to be economical and you do have to choose the words that you use very very carefully but i love that that for me is my favorite part of writing is just to um, really take time with the choices that I'm making. Right. So it was a challenge, but I'm, I'm definitely getting more and more um, used to that uh, genre. Yeah. It's interesting in, in you talking about your uh, your love of words and your obsession with words. I, I was thinking of young people and kids when when they're learning to read. It does. I think there's a different relationship with words when we're learning words and how they how we attach them to things, but also how they feel in our mouth. And it feels like we lose some of that as we get older. At, at least I've I would say I've observed that we we find maybe simpler words for things and we don't think of language in the same way that maybe we do when we're, we're, when we're learning words. What are, what's your relationship with that idea? I mean, you know, I've described, I mean, every, every stutterer does so in a, in a different way. So when I talk about stuttering, it's just my own, my own particular stutter right but for me um i've described it in the past as like um like a constant process of ambush right like i'm never quite sure which words are going to you know be um hard to say and i think that kind of 
constant awareness, it does bring about a carefulness with language. Um, and, and, and I think, and also, and also that you kind of are able, as you've been saying, to kind of keep that childlike uh, wonder and frustration with uh, language, right? So I think that 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 would be that that would that would be how I would answer that. That would be that would be the that would be my relationship to uh, language. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the river and and nature because uh, I mean obviously that's such a big part of this book is how the the river and becomes a way of um, identity for you but also it seems like it it, it just and I I follow you on Instagram but it seems like you uh, have a very deep relationship with the wild places around where you live and I would just love to hear about how that was. Was that always there for you, or did that kind of come about because of the experience you write about in the book? That was always there for me. Uh, I was very fortunate that I had uh, parents who were, you know, consistently taking me out into the woods from a very early age. And so it just becomes a habit for me. It's um, It's just a part of who I am. Uh, in a real a deep way and over the years it's it's been like a a real kind of a soulful relationship but also because of this story and because of what I write about it it's also an intellectual and a creative relationship I have with um uh you know with uh, the nature of around me and I think that I've always kind of seen it for me at least as a place where I don't have to talk so I think that's what I've always been drawn to I do spend a lot of time out there by myself when I was able to do that at like I think my parents started to let me hike on my own when I was 11 or 12 and um I just continued that right because it's 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 really a place where uh for me at least there's no expectations right you can in terms of speaking you can uh, communicate in different ways right so I'm most definitely drawn to those spaces uh, for those reasons you were talking about ways to communicate just now and and obviously in picture books one of the most wonderful ways that we get to communicate story is through the illustrations um and i i'm curious how did was it one of those traditional picture book relationships where they found sydney to do the illustrations and then you communicated back and forth through um an editor or how did you you two work together uh well sydney and i um so the decision to ask Sydney to um, illustrate the book was through our editor, 
the wonderful uh, Neil Porter. And that was his, that was his vision. Uh, Sydney and I did have one meeting together where we, we had coffee and talked about the book. But after that, I didn't see anything until, until the book was complete. And that's generally the way it goes in the children's literature field. So, yeah, I just, that's, that's what happened. I, you know, you just kind of give it up to the editor and 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 the um illustrator and you trust in their expect expertise and uh judgment what did you think of the illustrations when you first saw them oh it's just remarkable i mean it's not like that's um you know sydney is a um, you know i think i i think sydney is I, you know, I hesitate to use the word uh, masterful because I think that that has certain connotations, but he, but I do think that he is a master at what he does. Every page is a, a painting unto itself. And I just find that kind of attention to uh, my work or anyone's work to be are really remarkable and such a gift. And I think that when you're illustrating that way for children, I think that it's this kind of beautiful line that you're straddling between, um, you know, a, a fine art and, you know, and, and children's illustrate like I, a children's um, illustration. So I think that Sydney also really ch- challenges, uh, you know, children. He kind of meets them at a at a wonderful space, right, where they can explore all kinds of artistic uh, techniques and uh, representations, right. Um, so I mean, I was. I mean, how, how I, I was totally blown away when I saw it for the first time. I mean, how could I, how could I, how could I not? I mean, it's, it's an extraordinary, it's an extraordinary uh, that piece that he has uh, created. Yeah. I think the, I mean, obviously one of the showstoppers is that page that you reach and then you get to fold it out. I just thought that was, there's so many breathtaking images in that, but that, that one in particular where you get to sit with it kind of spread over your lap is so lovely. Yes, I think so too. Yeah. Apparently that wasn't supposed uh, to be in there, but at the last minute, uh, Sydney and uh, Neil, uh, Neil Porter decided it would be a good idea. Yeah. I was reading online uh, and Neil was talking about how it was really like a collaboration between the the three of you. Um, what was the experience like for you working with Neil uh, as an editor? Oh, it was remarkable. I mean, though he has he has just incredible instincts. He's been uh, working in this genre for a long time um, and his attention to everything his attention to a narrative to vocabulary 
to uh, white space, to just the minuteness of language is really extraordinary. But also he, he really delights in a challenging a, a children, right? Like he, he, the way that he talks about the books really, it's hard to explain, but he, he trusts children so much, right? And he, 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 he's always careful to, I think he wants to um, not talk down to them or not believe that they can't understand complexity. And for me, that's, um, that's a really important part of my work, right? So I was really appreciative of that, that relationship, but it was, um, it was one of the, the one of the greatest experiences of my life to work with him on this book. Yeah. And we continue to do so, which is, which I'm really grateful for. It's, it's interesting you mentioning how he, uh, he likes to challenge children as readers. Cause I, I think there, it seems like there was a lot of space for that, but like, maybe it was also like space for interpretation where in some times, in some children's books, it seems like there's the need to like be explicit or over explain things. And even, even like the pairing of your story and your words with Sydney's illustration really did give, it, it was a, a exercise of trust for, mm. for Neil in, in putting those two together. Cause there were some images with the story that, you know, I think in some context could have been perceived as, as too challenging, but I think it was also like letting kids kind of wonder, I think is important and mm-hmm. allow the, them to see things the way they want to see things too. Yeah. I, I think that's really well said. And that's, um, that's always a challenge with this, with this, with this genre, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been able to share the book with young readers? I, I know a lot of this has happened virtually, but have you been able to go into classrooms and and even I guess you've shared the book with your sons through all of this as well? Yeah, I mean, I've been fortunate. I've done um, so many uh, virtual readings over the last uh, year and a bit, um, you know, mostly in the United States, all over all over, all over the United States and all kinds of different uh, classrooms. So that's been really great. I've also done a lot of uh, work with um, uh, stuttering organizations in the States too. Um, And in Canada, uh, you know, reading the book for kids who um, uh, stutter and um, talking about my experiences as a stutterer. So it's been a really uh, gratif- gratifying uh, mixture of the two. Yeah. I noticed that the, the book is being translated and being sold out elsewhere. What's it like to see your story kind of being spread further afield than, than Canada? Yeah, it's it's a wild ride. I think it's at seventeen languages now, 
Um, so it's been remarkable to see them all like oftentimes I'll just get when it's when it's when it's published in another country I'll get uh, tagged uh, through uh, through Instagram so it's been so awesome to see like I think it the the first trends isolation uh, was the um the the Cantonese and uh, Mandarin and then the uh, simple uh, simplif- simplified Chinese and then um, after that it was the uh, Turkish and then the Spanish and uh, Portuguese it's and then just on from there it, it's been really really it's hard to describe that's that's something that's hard to describe for me it's difficult to um it's difficult to articulate that because I never thought that anything like that would happen in my uh, writing career um and just sometimes when I do have a moment and think about that and think about you know kids all over the world reading our book it's um yeah, it's, it's just hard to describe. It's, it's really, I'm so grateful. Thanks to Jordan for being on the podcast. And thanks as always to you for listening and subscribing to Writing the Coast. If you want to find out more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, visit our website, bcyukonbookprizes.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where we share news about the winners and finalists, as well as information about our upcoming events. Next time on Writing the Coast, you'll hear my conversation with Valerie Mason-John. Valerie's book, I Am Still Your Negro, an homage to James Baldwin, was a finalist for the 2021 Dorothy Livesay Poetry Prize. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast.